0: Oh, no.
1: (laughs) Hey, look at that. Now I'm live. How amazing. Uh, Computer technical difficulties for the first five minutes. Who knew? Who knew why it would do something as as crazy as that? Uh, Sorry that there's no titles or anything like that in this. We were just having some technical difficulties uh what else is new though it is 2020 after all (laughs) like if you don't learn how to adapt with the punches and realize that hey technology is going to fail me too that uh you know here we are so either way awesome i'm online again i apologize that you know the title's not on there as well as all my points uh i got a six pointer today for you six it's really, it's really pretty easy though. It's, it's a beautiful psalm, and uh, the Lord put it on my spirit this week. We were going to start with Luke and go into the Christmas story, but I'm like, you know what? Let's not go into Christmas just yet. Let's have Thanksgiving first. And, and look, we are, and that's what we're going to do. And so, hopefully, you've all been part of what's going on on Facebook Live, and you've seen that we have this event coming up this Thursday. All of the volunteer slots have been filled. Uh, There's still other ways um, you know, to go online and to register, you can either drive through or delivery, but either way, I'm excited about it. There's a lot going on. Uh, people are, are phoning and it's really, really a beautiful thing to be the community together. Uh, it's definitely different than communion, if you will, but at the same time, sharing a meal together, that's, that there, that is a beautiful thing that's going on. And so, uh, Praise the Lord that that he's doing that in in our lives and allowing this community to get together. And even though we can't sit at the same table, at least we can share the same meal together and think about what an awesome city Genoa is and and how beautiful it is that we live here and we share it and we, we genuinely love one another. Yes, there's some haters out there, but at the same time, there's a lot of lovers too. And so praise the Lord for that. And so... I wanted, because of Thanksgiving, very simply to have a Thanksgiving type of sermon. Uh, I did this last year as well, a different scripture, but this Psalm 136, uh, again, we were having technical difficulties and it wiped away everything that I had, you know, typed out for you, but his steadfast love endures forever, and it's the truth. But we need to know what steadfast love is first so without further ado let's pray and let's worship the living god the one and only god the only good god the one creator god and the god of redemption and the god overall so it's a beautiful thing Dear Heavenly Father, just thank you for this beautiful morning. Uh, just thank you for, you know, fixing the computer in this in this moment and allowing us just to live stream live and connect and to share some of this joy that you've put on my heart uh, and in my spirit. And so, Lord, I just pray for your richest blessings on this sermon. And I just pray for all those who are listening and even those who aren't, uh, you know, listening at this moment that they may continue to be reached that the gospel may continue to go out that the good news of what you have done for your glory and our good can reach the masses that Jesus you can change lives it is the most exciting thing I've ever seen in my life someone who comes to new life in Christ so Lord continue to work that within our community continue to bless those all around us continue to use us as salt and light in everything that we're doing, and continue to use uh, us well. It's in your name, Jesus, that we will forever pray. Amen. So, Psalm 136. Hopefully, you've had a minute to go there. I just want to tell you that this is kind of like a uh, a song, in a sense. It's a reminder. They might have done this. Uh, very much read this Psalm. It could have been a song even, the way that it was kind of written and especially as it's broken broken down into so many different parts. But the reading, what they call it is antiphonally in worship. So it's read as two parts with one part of the congregation making the statement or the phrase and the other part responding with the frame. So I brought in a special guest. I brought in my wife. She's sitting at the couch over by me. So we're going to read this antiphonally. And I would encourage you all at home to read this antiphonally too. So I'm going to read the first verse of every, uh, or the first sentence of every verse, and then you can follow up. And it's really easy for you at home because it's the same thing over and over and over. And maybe it'll sink into our heads a little bit today too. For his steadfast love endures. Forever. All right, let's begin. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good.
0: For a steadfast love endures forever.
1: Give thanks to the God of gods.
0: For a steadfast love endures forever.
1: Give thanks to the Lord of lords.
0: For a steadfast love endures forever.
1: To Him who alone does great wonders.
0: For a steadfast love endures forever.
1: To Him who by understanding made the heavens.
0: For his steadfast love endures forever.
1: To him who spread out the earth above the waters.
0: For his steadfast love endures forever.
1: To him who made the great lights.
0: For his steadfast love endures forever. The
1: sun to rule over the day.
0: For his steadfast love endures forever. The moon
1: and stars to rule over the night.
0: For his steadfast love endures forever.
1: To him who struck down the firstborn of
0: Egypt. For his steadfast love endures forever.
1: And brought Israel out from among them.
0: For his steadfast love endures forever.
1: With a strong hand and an outstretched arm.
0: For his steadfast love endures forever.
1: To him who divided the Red Sea in two.
0: For his steadfast love endures forever.
1: And made Israel pass through the midst of it.
0: For a steadfast love endures forever.
1: But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea.
0: For a steadfast love endures forever.
1: To him who led his people through the wilderness.
0: For a steadfast love endures forever.
1: To him who struck down great kings.
0: For a steadfast love endures forever.
1: And killed mighty kings.
0: For a steadfast love endures forever.
1: Sihan, king of the Amorites,
0: for a steadfast love endures forever.
1: And Og, king of Bashan,
0: for a steadfast love endures forever.
1: And gave their land as a heritage,
0: for a steadfast love endures forever.
1: A heritage to Israel, his servant
0: for his steadfast love endures forever.
1: It is he who remembered us in our lowest state.
0: For his steadfast love endures forever.
1: And rescued us from our foes.
0: For his steadfast love endures forever.
1: He who gives food to all flesh.
0: For his steadfast love endures forever.
1: Give thanks to the God of Heaven
0: for his steadfast love endures forever.
1: Amen. (laughs) That was kind of fun. Thanks, Jennifer. I'm glad you socially distanced six feet. (laughs) Awesome. All right. So that was kind of fun. Uh, Maybe we should do that again sometime. I don't know. Uh, Either way, his steadfast love endures forever. It is repeated 26 times in 26 different verses. Uh, Pretty significant. and, And definitely the first thing we need to talk about. Because... If you're reading the ESV, it says steadfast love. If you're reading the NIV, you're kind of missing out because it just says love. If you're reading the Lexham English Bible, it's called loyal love. If you're reading the Christian Standard Bible or the New Living Translation, it's called faithful love. And if you're old school and you're reading the King James Version of this, it's mercy. Not even love, it's mercy. His mercy endures forever. Very interesting. So we have to go back. We have to go back. We have to understand this. You know, I've told you about, you know, there's four different types of love altogether. You know, agape being God's sacrificial love. There's filio, which is a brotherly love. Uh, Storge, which is a family love. And eros, which is the erotic lust more than it is love. But this steadfast love—it's uh, it—it's hesed is the name of it, and it's it's a love that is based on a covenant commitment, and that's exactly what God has done for His people—a covenant commitment, and it is His steadfast love that endures forever. Um, it it can be that loyal kind of love it can be faithful love it can be the steadfast love but ultimately it is the love of, of god and the love that god over and over and over and over and over and over expressed to israel his people as well as us in the church today because all we like sheep have been led astray and we continue to and we continue to stumble and even his own nation who got to see his wondrous amazing great works still continued to stumble and complained about receiving manna and complained about receiving food. But this said this steadfast love, it's actually one of the character Definitions that God uses for himself. And we can see that. And I'll have you all flip back to Exodus chapter 34, verse 6 and 7, just so you can get a better grasp on what this steadfast love is and what this covenant commitment looks like to uh, Israel and the church today. So Exodus chapter 34, verses uh, 6 and 7 to start says, and let me give you just a little bit of background. This is after, you know the whole golden calf incident and the people are led astray and Moses comes back and he kind of flips out on Aaron and he breaks the stone tablets and now God has made those stone tablets again with him or actually they're in the midst right now of making those stone tablets again and uh, it's, it's just again a beautiful expression of God's mercy on us not giving us the punishment that we deserve so the King James Version has it right as well as like the faithful love of God that despite our rebelliousness. He continues to love us. Why? I'm not entirely sure all the time, but the fact of the matter is that he does, and we need to embrace that, that he does, and he always will, and salvation is guaranteed and assured from now through eternity because of God and his character. So Exodus chapter 34, God's about to pass in front of uh, Moses here, and it starts in verse six. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and faithfulness keeping steadfast love for thousands forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin but who will by no means clear the guilty visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation and moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and he said if now i have found favor in your sight o lord Please let the Lord go in the midst of us, for it is a stiff-necked people. And pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us for your inheritance. And then verse 10, just briefly. And he said, Behold, I am making a new covenant. Before all your people I will do marvels, such as not been created in all the earth or in any nation. And all the people among whom you are shall see the work of the Lord, for it is an awesome thing that I will do with you. Amen. And it's truth, because it is an awesome thing that he has done with them. And so, said. the 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 character definition of god this covenant commitment that is almost impossible to explain uh because we just don't understand it we don't have that type of covenantal commitment and even when you look at all the translations that i just told you the esv the niv the csb the nlt the leb the king james version they're all different none of them know how to properly interpret this because it's one of those it's, it's a God-defining character that, that we can't really fully comprehend, but we can try to add as many adjectives and verbs and everything else to, to, to make it better for us to try to understand the character and nature of our Creator God. But again, remember, this type of love, this, this covenant commitment endures forever. It's not going to go away. God has chosen his people in the past, Israel. He's moved forward uh, just from one nation, and now he's moved on to the church, which is all nations. He still loves Israel. They're, They're his initial thing. But now... Again, the church has expanded so far and his covenantal love or that commitment that he has, that loyalty, that faithfulness, that steadfastness is for the church just the same as it was for Israel in the past. So with all that being said. Now we understand the last half of every verse, but let's talk a little bit more about what the psalmist is aiming to accomplish and saying that his steadfast love endures forever. And so this starts off very much, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And so when you see Lord like that and it's capitalized, uh, typically in Hebrew, it's uh, Y-H-W-H and that's Yahweh. And whenever an ancient Israelite would hear that, it would be kind of like the bell ticker to be like, okay, yeah, God, God's good. Uh, Okay. His steadfast love endures forever. Remember his commitment to us. Remember everything that he's done for us. And that's where it starts. And so what is the definition of good though? Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And I know that if I went around the Facebook live meeting room here, that at the same time we would all have a very different definition of what good is and so that makes it really really hard for us to come up with some kind of blanket assessment of, of what good is apart from what god says is good in scripture but does god specifically define what good is the answer is no unfortunately But what we do need to know and we need to understand about God is that in him is no darkness at all. There is no sin. There is nothing that is bad or what we would consider bad in God himself. He is holy. He is set apart from this world. The sin and the brokenness of this world does not exist near him or by him. And In fact, if if that sin was to even come close, most likely it would just explode because God is light and in him is no darkness at all. I think James probably says it best in chapter 1, verse 17, where he says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Again, if we read the entirety of the Old Testament and we see you know, what God has done in the New Testament through the Gospels as well as the epistles and moving forward, uh, we see you know, that there is a lot of good. And some of us might be thinking, okay, well, what about the time he took out that nation? Or even in this Psalm, we're going to cover that in a little bit. What about having to take out those kings? Or what about all of those things? Again, remember that there 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 is no good in sin and that god is just for wiping out sin if you're like why doesn't god intervene more today than he did yesterday or you know any other time than that the problem with god intervening and what you're missing is that what he really needs to do is he really needs to just wipe out everything again like he did you know in noah's time But he gave a rainbow and he promised that he wouldn't do that. And and there is only one God who keeps his promises. So we're going to have to deal with that. And also in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And so this, this God, this creator God that we've briefly read about, for he is good and he's the God of gods and the Lord of lords. There is but one good God. Because every other God that you've read about in scripture ends up fighting, ends up sinning, ends up causing hate and derision. Just think about that for a minute. And also the next verse, give thanks to the God of gods. Think about the plurality of gods that exist out there, uh, especially when this was written in those times, and as and as Greek and Roman influence and the pluralism of multiple uh, deities, one for virtually everything, became much more popular, and worshiping of that became much more popular. But God started this very simply, you know, in the beginning, God, singular created the heavens and the earth and again when we know that you know the old testament is the same for the muslims the jews as well as the christians because this old book is the basis for all three of those religions and then of course where we go wrong or where we go differently is what we do with the lord jesus christ in all this was he just a nice guy or was he something more than that was he really the son of god we would say yes he is really the son of god But there is but one good God, and that has started. And so that definition of good, everything good comes down from the father of lights. He calls us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And if you know light, it exposes everything, everything. You cannot hide in the light, and that's impossible. And so that's why the the premise of good and God of gods and then Lord of lords extends to his sovereignty over everything. And so there there is plenty of goodness of God, and he still continues to love people and still continues to swoon people to this day. So there is but one good God who is the God of gods and then the Lord of lords and his steadfast love, his, his said, his covenant commitment endures forever. And we see that in the Old Testament and what he's done. So moving on, though, because this is kind of like Israel's history and a lot of things to be thankful for. Think about the good that God has done in your life and God continues to do in your life. You know, it's it's not a one and done kind of thing. He's still there in your life today, as well as yesterday, as well as tomorrow, if you are indeed in Christ and his So we move on to the next uh, verses, four through nine. To him alone who does great wonders, to him who by understanding made the heavens, to him who spread out the earth above the waters, to him who made the great lights, the sun, the moon, and the stars, for a steadfast love endures forever. This is really starting in Genesis. This is is the, the psalmist going back to creation moment. If you will, uh, just talking about the creation account, I'm sure we've all probably read Genesis 1:1 one uh, in numerous times. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and there is but one creator God. And as we're sitting here at Psalm 136, just flip like it might be a page. It might be two pages for you guys. But Psalm 139, uh, verse 10 through or 13 through 16. Really, really cool. Uh, Like, I love this, this psalm. I think a lot of people do too, but it says this. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Again, how beautiful it is that God has created us and and formed us and known us long before. He even knows when we won't be here anymore, before we were even here that's the omniscience of god the knowing of god he knows everything and all that and so even ecclesiastes last week i said this too it's it's one of my favorite favorite verses to really just think about as you do not know the way the spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child so you do not know the work of god who makes everything And he is that creator God. And that is something to be thankful for as well as something to be fearful for because we are fearfully and wonderfully made the things that can go wrong in a human body, as well as just the human body functioning on its own without any intervention whatsoever. Heart continues to beat. yes, I can make it go faster or slower, but I I can't make it not work. (laughs) You know, Uh, I mentioned, you know, there's, again, so much that goes on within the human body. You think about your eyes, you think about the, you know, just the five senses, you think about the brain and the millions of neurons firing in it, and God knows all this, and God's created all this. And it's not just humans as the pinnacle of achievement. Think about all the other different species that are out there. Think about the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, or, you know, the beasts of the field, if you will. There's so much that God has created, if anything, it gives us a, an opportunity to just say thanks for your artistic beauty in this world, because it really is a beautiful world. Even though we live in really, really, really small little bubbles a lot of time and the only worry about ourselves, when you see the bigger picture of creation and, and God and, and, and knowing what he's done in this there is but one creator god and he is worthy of of that thanks and that thanksgiving and the good news is is that this amazing artistic creator god his steadfast love endures forever so it endures forever and we will be around in christ forever praise the lord next verses 10 through 16 kind of point three there is but one god of redemption Okay, to him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt and brought Israel out from among them with a strong hand and an outstretched arm to him who divided the Red Sea in two and made Israel pass through the midst of it, but overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea to him who led his people through the wilderness. That is the biggest story of redemption that exists in the Bible. And that comes from Exodus. So the last point, the part about creation kind of starts in Genesis and God's working with human beings there. Then this, this major story of redemption that we have, this is uh, Exodus. In a nutshell, uh, the beginning parts of Exodus, Exodus goes on more and more It gives you the first Ten Commandments as well as Deuteronomy is relatively close. But this major story of redemption from his people and, and to be redeemed means to be bought back. And for us at this present time, as well as when you think about Israel at the past, we have to be bought back from the slavery of sin in our lives. Uh, For us now as the church, that's really the slavery is self and, and our own desires and our own wanton ways and our own destructive paths. But in Israel, and this big redemptive story of what they're talking about, uh, you know, with the 10 plagues, it starts off the firstborn of Egypt. That was the 10th plague. That was the, the straw that broke the camel's back, if you will. That's God's victory over Egypt because Pharaoh's heart in that moment had changed and released Israel. Now, granted, he came chasing after him shortly thereafter because... I guess he he came to his sin senses, if you will, that, that he needs to go and, you know, get Israel back and get his slaves back. But this story of redemption, again, how it's all played out in God's mighty working, he has saved them. He has bought them back from the slavery that they had entered into with Egypt. So this this Israel story as well as you know the church story and, and bridging the gap. The steadfast love of God endures forever, both for that nation of Israel, as well as for his church. And I really need to tell you this too, that because um, I see it a lot right now and it's really not the major point of, of any of this, but you need to know this, that God is not for any other nation, but Israel. For some of us who are really, really bent on God being for America, you're, you're wrong because he's for the church and the church is multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-racial apart from Israel. Because in the Old Testament, it was just Israel and then there were the Gentiles. And so Israel being God's chosen people and his nation, his, his racial, ethnic nation, then the Gentiles were everyone else. And so now the church is made up of both Israel and the Gentiles. There's nothing about any other land being holy or set apart other than the nation of Israel. And that's what he's done. And that's what he did was take his nation out of Egypt, out of slavery and redeemed them. He bought them back from slavery. And that's what God still continues to do today. Even though we're not in like a physical slave trade, here we are, (laughs) like, We're we're slaves to ourselves or slaves to what we think is is right and where we live. And we live in a blessed country. Make no mistake about that uh, as far as it goes. But again, God's about the individual now, not about nations. And so there is but one God of redemption that exists. And you think about the God of gods and the Lord of lords and what, you know, you hear some of the stories from other people. you know, religions of what those gods, A, do to one another, you know, in hate and spite and ultimately sin uh, versus what they do for us and how we will never, ever, ever know that we're good enough if we're continuing to try to climb and reach a ladder that is unattainable and unreachable by, you know, our own standards. We, We can't redeem ourselves in in spiritual matters and in sin and so one god of redemption and the good news is is that his steadfast love his said his covenantal commitment endures forever for the nation of israel as well as his church today and for that we can give thanks and so point four verse 17 to 22 there is but one promise keeping god and you're probably thinking to him who struck down great kings and killed mighty kings and talked about Sihan and Og and gave land. You're like, how is that a promise keeping king? <laughs> but here's the thing, I, he is the Lord, right? He is the Lord God and he promised the nation of Israel. Again, this is redemptive history. And so point two was talking about Genesis and the creating God. This verse 10 through 16 was talking about Exodus and the God of redemption. Now we've got point four here and we're going into Leviticus and Numbers to talk about the promise keeping God because This is exactly what God promised he said he would do. And that's why the psalmist is exclaiming this, because let me read these to you. Leviticus chapter 25, verse 38. God says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan and to be your God. And then in Numbers 32, verse 33, And Moses gave to them, to the people of Gad, and to the people of Reuben, and to the half-tribe of Manasseh, the son of Joseph, the kingdom of Sihon, king of the Amorites, and the kingdom of Og, king of Bashan, the land and its cities with their territories, the cities of the land throughout the country. The reason why there's one promise keeping God is this is exactly what he promised to do. He he promised to take them to a land with with milk and honey. He gave gave Canaan to uh, Abraham back in the day. And then, of course, a lot of things happened where the nation moved to Egypt, got into slavery, then they got back out. And so other people had moved into the land that God had promised Abraham. And so... It's not that God literally just struck down these great kings. These great kings were so full of themselves that they willingly wanted to fight with Israel uh, because they didn't even want Israel to pass through the land that they had taken because they're so selfish and self-absorbed in this. And so there is but one promise-keeping God. And always think about what the promises of God are. And then what promises of God you can cling to or we can cling to as the church. This Bible is full of promises of God, tons of them. And so First John chapter 2, verse 25, getting towards the end of scripture, uh, the apostle John says, and this is the promise he made to us, eternal life. And then in John chapter 17, verse 3, again, the Apostle John, just different spots, he explains it. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And that was a promise of God in the Old Testament to send the Messiah, to send the Christ, to save his people. And God did just that. He kept his promise you know and just as much as there's other promises last week I talked about the the promise of tribulation in this world you will have tribulation but take heart I have overcome the world you know that's that that's a promise of God he's overcome the world he's killed death he's slain sin he's left it in the flesh You know, you think about Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 to 20, where he gives the great commission, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And behold, I will be with you to the end of the age. And it's true. And what God has done again with that, that's another promise of God that he is with us and continues to be with us. And it endures forever. Because again, his steadfast love endures forever. So there is but one promise keeping God. And I look forward to the promise of revelation where God will be in our midst and we will be, you know, in his midst. And there will be no more pain, no more tears, no more suffering. Think about all the beauty of creation and a human being and life and everything without blemish, without any kind of sin, without any kind of deformity or, or fault whatsoever. It is going to be a beautiful thing. And it's a promise of God that we can look forward to, you know, today, tomorrow and and onward, as well as the blessing that God is with us and he will not leave us or forsake us. You know, he is for us. And because he is for us, there is so much reason to give thanks and to give joy in, in, in this life. So, There you have it. There you see the promise keeping God. And that's exactly what he did with these kings. God promised that land to Israel, but those kings were so full of themselves that God blessed Israel to be able to overtake those kings and to reclaim the land that was originally given to their forefather Abraham. You know, before history. So, yeah, the God of redemption and the, the promise keeping God. And then, point five here, these next few verses uh 23 to 25 there is but one God over all, and it is He who remembered us in our low estate, rescued us from our foes, and who gives food to all flesh. So, this is kind of like a recap, <laughs> if you will. It's, or, or maybe the, the, the preliminary conclusion of what he has all just talked about. He who remembered us in our lowest state, think about uh, verse 10 through 16 and the lowest state that Israel had while living in Egypt and how God heard their cries and decided that he would intervene. And then he calls Moses and sends this, 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 (laughs) <laughs> this quitter and this whiner to go and save this mighty nation. But that's, that's our God. Like that's what he does. He uses the lowly and the weak and remembers us in our lowest state. Not that he makes us so high and mighty or anything like that, but he loves you know, the, the lowly. He loves those in low estate. And then I think about 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Remember your calling, brothers? You know, you were not wise. You were not noble. You were not anything. But God chose what is weak in this world to shame the strong. He's chosen what is foolish in this world to shame the wise. And here we are. And here I am, <laughs> you know, preaching on a computer, on on November twenty second, this is not something I ever thought I'd be or do, but here we are. God has done this, and and I would never look back. Like not knowing the Lord, man, I remember how hopeless that was and how unfulfilling it was, and how I never, never, never got enough, um, and I was never satisfied. But it's so easy to be satisfied in Christ that I can literally just go and enjoy every day because my worth as a human being isn't tied to what the world says it is it's tied to what my lord says it is and i hold on to that and again that's a promise of god and so there is but one god overall, and you see this again in this redemption that he remembered us in our low estate and that is the truth we have a very low estate And then you see, uh, again, they rescued us from our foes. You take that into consideration with verse 17 to 22 and taking down the great kings. God has constantly intervened for those that are trying to attack his people and are trying to invade his people. God still will do that with the prince of the power of the air and the devil in our lives today. But it's very tangible and it's very present in the Old Testament, how God, you know, redeems and saves his people time and time and time and time again. And Praise the Lord for that, because it's true that his steadfast love, his covenantal commitment to start a good work and see it to completion at the the coming of Christ in the day of judgment endures forever. And he continues to do this forever and forever until finally this world does go away and there will be a new heaven and a new earth that we patiently um, long for and wait for. And so... He who gives food to all flesh, uh, I think that really goes back to him who does great wonders, verse 4 through 9, and just God is the creator God. He's the God who creates everything and he feeds all life. If you're wondering about why there's homeless people or why there's hungry people, well, again, this has to do with the sin of the world. It's not that there's a shortage of food on this planet. No, there's a shortage of human decency on this planet because we're all egocentric, self-centered human beings that are willing to cut out other human beings. So as long as we get what we want and what we need, I don't care about you but that's not the way that God works in in the slightest. And I would also call this uh, what they call common grace, which isn't saving grace. Common grace is defined as any blessing of God that does not save a person from sin. And I think there's tons of blessings from God. When the rain falls, when the sun shines, when the moon and the stars are out, you know, there's tons of common grace blessings for all life on this planet and we see that because it's a creator god who has a steadfast love a covenantal commitment for his creation and his people that endures forever so praise the lord and give thanks for all of these things and then point six uh verse 26 Give thanks to the God of heaven for his steadfast love endures forever. So really, very simply, it, in, in all situation, give thanks because our God is in heaven and we are here on earth. He is where it is holy and righteous and perfect and good. And we are here on earth where it is not really holy, not super righteous, uh, not super good either all the time and and there's trials and tribulations and I know that a lot of us are going through trials and tribulations right now but give thanks to the Lord for he is good give thanks to the God of heaven because he is the God of heaven and so we see that that the Lord of Lords the King of Kings the God of Gods there is but one we also see that There is but one good God, there's one creator God, there's one God of redemption, there's one promise-keeping God, there's one God over all, and that we can, in all situations, give thanks because our God's steadfast love endures forever. One of my... Uh, Favorite verses that I've taken to heart is John chapter 10 verse 24 to 30. Uh, It kind of slaps me in the face a little bit at the same time because it really is by God's sovereign choice and God's election and and so many um, testimonies that I hear that. That is how God works, and God does save, and he is eternal, and he does have a covenant commitment and a steadfast love, and he does bless us with the Holy Spirit, but in John 10, 24 to 30, uh, I love this because the Pharisees ask him, look, if you're the Messiah, just, just tell me, and then Jesus is like, look, I've already told you, I've told you countless times. So it reads this. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my father's name bear witness about me, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. like if if we want to know where where the problems are and where they lie, um, Jesus, I and the Father are one. Jesus is God, the Trinity, the, you know the sheep hear my voice, they know me, and they follow me. And that's where we're at today. We know him, we follow him. We, we love him. We continue to press forward in life, giving thanks for any and every opportunity that God has given us in all of you know life situations. And yes, it can be really, really hard sometimes, but you know the steadfast love of the Lord and his covenantal commitment. It does not give us reason to be lawless, but it also doesn't make us have to be law full in the the sense that there's a common grace or an understanding, a mediator, because we're going to continue to keep going down. That was probably a really poor way to explain it. But at the same time, there's no legalism. There's no lawlessness. There is but life in Christ. You don't have to do all these things like everyone tells you, but you also cannot be a lump. (laughs) At the same time. And so praise the Lord in anything and everything, because that's exactly where we're at right now is man, it's it's so broken. But I know my Lord is good. I know he's the God of gods. I know he's the Lord of Lords. I know he's the God of heaven. I know he's the God of redemption. I know he keeps his promises. I know he's the God of creation. And I know he's good. And take that to the bank. Take it today. Keep it today. Keep it forever because it's God's truth. And we love Jesus. So, dear Heavenly Father, uh, I just thank you for this morning. Uh, I thank you that you stopped me from continuing to speak when I should just let it go. I'm grateful that you've planted so amazing people in my life. I'm grateful that I can be part of your church, Lord. This amazing, multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-socioeconomic, diverse group of people who, essentially, uh, you know, are, are aren't special. None of them are special, but Lord, you've declared that they're special. And so we just thank you. And we look at all your redemptive history, your Genesis, your creation accounts, Exodus and, and redemption and salvation, deliverance, the crossing over from death to life and the Red Sea moment. We see Leviticus and Numbers that show us your holiness, show us why you're so different and why the world is so different so wrong in comparison to you lord because of because of your righteous design and your right way of living and so lord i just thank you for you know all those moments and your goodness and your creation and your redemption but lord i thank you for your promises and we hold on to that today and we give you all the praise and all the thanksgiving because lord your promises you've kept there were over 300 prophecies about what was going to happen with jesus and the messiah and the christ and all of those have been fulfilled and that's prophetic fulfillment and so Lord, we hold on to revelation, not understanding it in its entirety, but understanding that the time may be drawing near and that we should be prepared and ready for you and to love you and to serve you. And so Lord, just call us home, keep using us well, allow us to be that salt and light that you speak of in the Sermon on the Mount and continue to use us for your glory and our good and to continue to reach people in our community. Thank you for
0: everything, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Awesome.